Riot Squad, a female-powered media agency proudly presenting Camp Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's first and only DIY punk rock summer camp, September 1st through 3rd in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Come camp with us for three nights of non-stop punk rock all weekend long, with over 40 bands and tons of activities. Tickets on sale now at camppunksylvania.com. That's camp, P-U-N-K-S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A.com. See you there. Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. Welcome to Your Life the Mixtape presents Headliners. Each week, I am joined by the best and the brightest stars of music from all over the world to find out a little bit about what makes them tick. On this episode of Headliners, I am joined by Oregon folk rock duo Alma Mater. Their debut single, Fading Moon, is out right now, and I highly recommend that you pause this podcast, go check that out, and then come back. Please welcome to the show, Alma Mater. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. So happy to be here. Thank you for being here. So diving right into this monster, uh, tell me if you could collaborate with any musician, living or dead, who would you pick? Derek, you want to run with that one, or do you want me to do it? Go for it. I think Prince. Prince, uh, in my opinion, is, is probably the best musician to has, uh, who has ever walked the earth. 27 instruments. Uh, he's, he was just a, a prolific uh, genius and, uh, and such a, a, an odd personality that I think it would be such a trip to, to just be in the same room with him. Um, Dirk, what do you think? I'd say Paul McCartney. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like Paul. Mostly because he's, a, he's living and there's actually a chance that could happen someday. <laughs> uh, no, Paul's just amazing songwriter. His, his just gifts are endless. His, I, love, I love his approach to songwriting. I love the ease at which he does it. I love how easily inspired he is. And, you know, and that goes for, I mean, that would go for Prince. That would go for David Bowie. That would go for, you know, so many. But I think McCartney would be my, my choice. Not because it came quickly to my brain, but I think that it, uh, he's, just, he's just so freaking amazing. Is there an era of Paul McCartney that you would, if you could jump into the decade of that? Like when you saw that documentary? That well, Paul I mean, McCartney, which was... <clears throat> I think so the, Paul McCart- the Paul McCartney... I would say the, the wings Paul McCartney probably, or even Paul McCartney now, just the wealth of, just because Paul was such a great collaborator. And then once he had the ability to just do whatever he wanted, uh, I, I really loved what came out of him. Yeah. And he seems like a good man. To seems me. like a, a great hang. Yeah. yeah. Describe fading moon using only one word. Hmm. Verklempt. <laughs> Uh, 
I like to speak in the Yiddish when I get a chance. It's it's just for me. It's it's just beauty. It's be, it, it it what what happened in that song is so surprisingly beautiful to me. It just it it's greater. It's greater than some of its parts, and so it's just it's just beautiful. Those are both fantastic words, and the first time anyone's ever answered in Yiddish. So so really? we're doing good today. Yeah, it's a surprise. Uh, most people sort of. Maybe it's just the circle that we, we just throw Yiddish around all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Too hey, much Andrew, Yiddish. Andrew, you got some schmutz. You got some schmutz on here. Yeah. Oh, there you go, buddy. Nice. Yeah. Good job, Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who is an artist if they popped into the Zoom right now and said, I need you guys to go on tour with me right at this very minute who are you dropping everything for i wouldn't be able to do it no matter who it was i got a five-month-old i have a two-year-old uh thinking about leaving them and wife no chance so maybe in uh you know a couple years would be but i'm too uh i'm too helicopter dad for that no no way uh, and, and, and thankfully I feel that way. It's, it's a wonderful feeling to, to think that if, if, if Pearl Jam wanted me to go on tour, I'd say, mm, sorry, buds. Uh, I've got a, I've got some diaper changing to do. <laughs> Not going to fit into my sketch. <laughs> right there. Right. Right. I would have to say, uh, Dave Grohl. Hmm. Cause there's not many, not many touring rock bands out there that have the body of work and um, and have so much goddamn fun. Uh, I would, I would, I would say, yeah, I'm done. I could, uh, I could shut the business down, let it run itself, and then uh, take off. I, on the other hand, have both my kids in college, so it's I can, I can pretty much do whatever right now. Yeah, I, but but you're, you know, you're such a mensch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change one thing about the music industry, what would it be? You know, I would change how radio is done. Radio caters to, uh, in my opinion, the least common denominator and uh, the pay to play and how the record companies manipulate what is popular. Um, and, and while I think that there are always great songs and great music out there. I don't think radio is representative of that, of, of that. And I think it, I think it hurts the quality. And I think you can tell, I mean, from the, the age of auto tune and the, and the, you know, how hooky and how ridiculous uh, lyrically things need to be for people to remember them and to get into your, your brain. I think radio is the culprit. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that because you're spot on. If you'd have to go back and change a lot of history to have radio be what radio was when I, you know, I had the good fortune of grow, and maybe I did. Maybe maybe the kids today think radio is awesome. Fuck, I don't know. You know, I, it's it's we all think our shit was better, right? But it was the music. Music was better. It just was. God, the AM radio in my parents' car, going on, you know, just driving to the fucking store. Mm -hmm. The hook, the, the quality of the music, the quality of the songs, the quality of the musicians. Real musicians were making music, man. 
real musicians were. They were there were sessions that they got in, they re recorded it. They didn't. They didn't. They might have done an edit or two to get the song to fit in the format of a of a radio song, but that would be it. You know, I think I think that's really it. I mean, God bless that everybody can make a record now. You know, everybody. You know, you can make a, a pretty damn good sounding record on your freaking iPhone if mm -hmm. you want. And and people can do it in their bedrooms, and and it gives access to everybody to be able to make music. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there's a, there's just so much great music out there, and none of it sees a lot of day because it's the, you know, I in my opinion, in in a, and I feel like an old man here, and, I, and it's sometimes, especially when I talk to my kids about music. My kids have great taste in music, but they like a lot of stuff that I couldn't, I just don't get, <clears throat> and and that's all right. And I almost want to ask them, you know, when you're my age and you look back on the music you're listening to right now, do you think you're going to feel as passionately about it as I feel about the music I grew up listening to? You guys don't have a Beatles. You guys don't have, you guys never don't get to have that experience. No, you know, and the Beatles may look different now. You know, it, it, Kendrick Lamar might have that appearance when you go back and listen to some of his music in, in the future. You know, I don't know. But like, once again, Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm just wah, 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 old guy. And, um, but I think that the, I think we'd have to go back and change a lot of things for radio to work, in my opinion. You know, it's interesting. Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, and I believe it's To Pippa Butterfly, has just surpassed OK Computer as like the best quality album of all time. It's a pretty freaking great record. It is. But that's, that's kind of a, uh, at least it's weird that list, you know? Yeah, exactly. What's a venue that you'd give anything to play? For me, Red Rocks. Yeah. Bingo. I mean, it's not huge. Uh, I mean, it, the natural uh, resonance in, in those, you know, within the, the structure of those stone, you know, cliffs. Beautiful. I got to see Ray LaMontagne there a couple years ago. There's just a real nice serene uh aesthetic about it that i think would be so badass dirk same did you did really you thought that same thing yeah absolutely you're a smart man that is the most popular answer to this is question it? everybody wants wow. to play red rocks wow damn it i should i should have come up with something else right <laughs> i should have said uh, the saint in new jersey you know uh, because, you know, the smaller ones are cool. Uh, you know, I played the, the, when I lived in LA, the Troubadour was such a great spot to play and it's not big or the Viper room, which is, which is literally a room. Have you been to the Viper room, Greg, in, in LA? I mean, literally it's a 200 people, you know, but there's something about that kind of gig that far surpasses the experience of a large 5,000 person gig inside a you know a banquet room which don't get me wrong banquet rooms have their thing you know the smell of uh of a nice croissant uh <laughs> wafting over the stage area right the chocolate eclair or a tart or an egg casserole i love having that right there in the nostrils when i'm about to go on stage <laughs> <laughs> What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process? I keep drinking the ink from my pen. And it's going to make me sick one of these days.
Andrew, would you think it's your, I mean, looking it, look at myself, I, I would think it's my editor um, sometimes over edits. I don't, because it's usually the early stages of something that are the best something that they can be. Um, I mean, some things, some things you polish and polish and polish and polish, but okay, I'll take Fading Moon, for instance. That that song did not actually come really easy for me. I wrote I wrote multiple different versions of that. The main riff, the main riff was what came really easy. Crafting the three-minute song was not easy. Not easy at all. Putting all the pieces together and um, turning it into, for me as a musician, turning it into one continual guitar performance. That took that took a couple months. Mm. of really of really 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 hard work and it was and that and that's 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 a time where it paid off i think i've come up with things before where i i just get rid of things and 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 kind of wish that i would have uh would have gone back to gone back to the gone back to the other part that i left on the floor but um how about you andy well i think for for it's the opposite a little bit because you know i'm limited in terms of my knowledge of the instrument itself you know, I play my my cowboy chords and, and I just kind of repeat and, and, and try to change melody over the same chords I've been using for 15 years. You know, your your um, so that is my that's my habit is is a is my limitation um, in terms of the knowledge of the guitar. You have you know, your 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 skills are so different than mine on that. So and that's why this project was so was so vibrant. Uh, and inspiring for me is because I didn't write the guitar parts. So I was able to stretch my ideas of melody and structure um, based on what you had done. So it, it, it made it such a unique process for me. And I think that's why the result has been so enthusiastic from people. It's my guess. What song, anytime you hear it on like radio or streaming or anything like that, I What's a song that you wish you wrote? I would say Imagine from John Lennon. You know, when you start writing about, it's so easy to write the, the, the poor me songs, especially the, the angry young man stuff when you're in your 20s, which, which I did. Uh, and when you start to mature, at least for me, and you start writing about love and hope, and you start thinking about other people and a grander scheme, I think you become a lot more powerful. And probably a lot more dangerous to the naysayers and to the to the negative thought, you know, echo chamber out there. Um, and while John Lennon had his picadillos for sure, uh, he was a pretty complex and at very at times very angry person. Uh, he really tapped into a really cool moment there, and uh, you know, what I just the simplicity, uh, the 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 critical thinking of it, uh, the selflessness of it, the message of it. I just think it's, it's, it's perfect. I'll leave it there with your answer because it's, it, that's a tough one, a tough question for me because I'm not a lyricist and I'm not a, you know, I, I do write melody and I, I do uh, obviously write music, but I'm not, I don't, not sure I have a, a strong answer. So I like yours, Andrew. Let's just, let's, let's stay with that one. Thank you. Thank you. I do the heavy lifting on that one, Derek. You do. Thanks. Yeah. Describe your perfect day. Derek? 
Oh my, my perfect God. day is dirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a perfect day for me is is uh, getting up, uh, having coffee, and having the day to just literally work on music just in, in, enjoy music and then and then spend the, the other parts of the day with the people I love the most you know um, anytime I get to spend a, it's a really a beautiful carrot you know um, you know having this whole day available to be creative and then and then on the other side of that know that uh, you know my son will be coming over to hang out or or my girlfriend's coming over to hang out or my daughter's coming over to hang out or, my, or all three of them you know, um, you know, I, I, I love my people, man. It's, it's wonderful to have them around. And, and at this point in my life, I have to say, there's nothing better than having adult children. My son's 22 and my daughter's 18 and they are a fucking blast. Both of them are so much fun to hang out with. It's just, it's really, it's really the best feeling in the world. Um, ocean, sun, wife, babies, laugh, cry, sing, create, sweat. What's a song lyric, yours or someone else's, that has always stuck with you? God, wouldn't it be funny if I quoted myself? Let me tell you something. I really <laughs> love when I threw this one out into the universe. You know, there's a quote, there's a song by Lord Huron called The Night We Met. And it's, I had all and then most of you, some and now none of you. And the way that he designed that melodically, uh, I had all and then most of you, some and now none of you. I, it, it, I don't know that I've ever been slapped back by a lyric like that. And I would, you know, because I teach voice and I would make every student listen to that over and over and over again, going, listen to that. That's just, wow, designed and it's perfectly executed. Anyway, so that one is always just tattooed in my brain. I think the one for me, is uh, All Dead by Queen, which is a Brian May song, and, and Brian May sings it. And that song has always just fucking floored me, since, even mm. since, I was a kid, since I was a kid. And it means something different to me now. Um, and, and as I've listened to this song, you know, thousands of times, and now, you know, I kind of understand where he was coming from when he wrote it. I think it was about his cat, the death of his cat, uh, huh. when he wrote the song. But... Um, absolutely one of the most beautiful underrated songs of all time that I'm so surprised that it doesn't show up more often in the universe because it's so absolutely beautiful in it. I've never heard it. Oh, really? God, I'll send it to you. It's just fucking insanely gorgeous. It mm. just, everything about it is beautiful. And, it, and the fact that it, I didn't know for years it was Brian May that sang it. Huh? Yeah. It's just, it, he's got such a beautiful voice and it's just, such a, it's really a gorgeous song and the lyrics are so meaningful. Hmm. You wonder if, if Freddie Mercury hadn't come into his life, had he been someone who sang and was known for that more? Who knows? Up to Mercury to fuck everything up for everybody. <laughs> selfish. <laughs> so yeah. fucking selfish. Me, 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 me. Yeah. But he had a lot of chutzpah, so <laughs> I appreciate that about him. <laughs> Describe your music using only colors. I would say blue and blood. Wow, that's a good answer. You know, I'm visualizing deep, earthy, burnt sienna blending into the, sun, the orange sherbet of a sunset. Wow. 
my pants just got tighter. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's impressive. <laughs> Andy, we need to hang out more at 7.30 in the morning. We really do. Fun. Dude, I've been it up is. since five. Are you kidding me? Yeah, okay. What's a song that you've written that you feel like would be perfect for a film soundtrack? <clears throat> wow. You know, um, I think that there's, I think this record that we're about to release is, is loaded <laughs> with those types of those types of orchestral um, movements, you know, I think there's, it's really hard. We have a, we have a song um, on the record, the first song on the record called uh, Your Rock, which is really cinematic. And, but you know, there's a number of them. I mean, that's just kind of how the songs came out. I, I think too much, especially the song too much because of the, uh, this, the moodiness, the strings on it, the dissonance of the string parts that that create a sort of odd beauty. Um, it's kind of uh, contradictory in a way. Sure, yeah. Um, a song about love that sort of fights itself. Um, too much specifically on this album, but I agree that that is fraught with uh, many opportunities for movies to, to come and give us some money for them quite frankly yeah so this uh this next question is kind of a choose your own adventure type deal i uh, i have three of the most cliche questions that all musicians get asked in interviews and i uh, i will let you guys pick the question that you would like to answer in this instance uh your choices are who are your influences what got you started in music or what is your creative process like? Well, I can tell you my influences are pretty specific. Michael Jackson, the Bee Gees, uh, the only fan club I've ever been a member of is uh, Bee Gees when I was 10. Pearl Jam, best band of all time. Uh, James Ingram, believe it or not. Many people may not know who he is great soul singer uh sometimes i will listen to to things i've recorded and i'm like shit i ripped that off from james that little trill right there is a james ingram ish and then ernest hemingway um in terms of of how he wrote damn just so succinct uh so those would be the main it's hard to know what comes from where when you when you when you when you're done with your stuff but that that's just what comes to mind right now yeah it's a tough one for me because I've, I've kind of like absorbed everything i've ever you know being a lover of music since like my earliest memory oh, my earliest memories have the beatles in them you know my earliest favorite song was come together i think that <clears throat> i think that i was two when Abbey Road came out and my mom was playing it constantly. Um, and so the, that music is just so important to me and it's always just stuck with me. There's, you know, as I've, as I, as I became a musician, um, there was different things that made me want to play guitar. This is a funny one. 
what made me want to play electric guitar? What is the first thing? This, and it's almost, it, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing. It's actually rad. It's very different than I think a lot of people would say, but it was like um, the, in Toto's first re- record, that whole song, Hold the Line, Steve Lukather's, I was like, holy yeah. fucking shit, I want to make that sound. Oh my God, the coolest thing. This is big, chunky, badass chords. And for me, that was, that was what was just like, I want to play that instrument. Oh my God, it can make that sound. And that was, that was it for me. And, you know, and then, you know, I always was, a I I grew up as well listening to hard rock that was popular when I was a kid. I loved, I absolutely loved the first like six Kiss records. I was a huge Kiss fan in grade school and middle school. Um, and then everything else that came out, we, we lived in the greatest era of rock and roll ever. And, you know, I was also a, a huge Van Halen fan and, and a huge ACDC fan and a huge fan, huge fan of, of rock and roll that was that was the life of the party. And that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to play and I wanted to write music like that. Well, I just did. And it's a funny thing about being a musician is many people take, take different avenues towards that. I have always inherently been a songwriter and it's because I was too lazy to learn something else note for note. I'd start learning a song I liked and end up writing my own song. And that happened from the very beginning of playing guitar from the very beginning. I, I used to take two cassette players because that's all we had, right? I had these, and I, I start, I was, I would do uh, my own overdubbing. I would record a guitar track to one tape recorder and I'd put the next one next to it. And I would push play and record and then play on the other one. And I would, I would stand back far enough to be able to overdub a track that didn't step on the other track. And I was doing that multiple times. And so I, and that's when I was started when I was 17 years old, I didn't start playing until I was 17. And then, but I was instantly writing music and I was instantly influenced by everything I was hearing and so just just that's kind of it hey kind Dirk, of thank you for answer, dispelling but... the myth that i'm the talker in this relationship you know what's interesting <laughs> is that you, toto is, is was something well, that inspired you and and toto was the backing band for thriller with michael jackson so you and i kind of meet meet in that in that little zone Absolutely. right there do you consider yourselves artists or entertainers i really consider myself a raconteur more than anything else and maybe a charlatan a shepherd I'm, I'm definitely more of an artist than an entertainer. <clears throat> definitely. I mean, I love to be, I love to be on stage. I love to perform for people. I, I like the, I like the energy that it, the energy exchange can be the most powerful narcotic thing on earth. But I also love the narcotic feeling of creating something. And I like that actually more. And that's why you asked me earlier, or you asked us earlier about, you know, what's your perfect day. And um, I love, I love creating. I, I love it more than anything. I like when an idea hits that is something that resonates and it, and it it's like, oh shit, that's great. Okay. Okay. And then you start hearing the other elements of it and start putting it together. And, and that is a fucking great feeling that is the better feeling than playing live the what do you think is, is the favorite. biggest misconception about musicians you know i think it's i think the misconception is that musicians are lazy and you just you just use that term dirk but i remember being at a conference years ago and some industry guy was on the this uh with a bunch of other people were, were up there talking about the industry and and he was like, and you know, musicians are inherently lazy. 
And I wish I would have had the gumption to stand up and say, wait a second, how many instruments do you play? How many songs have you written? How many hours have you put into uh, learning a, a chord, you know, a scale or uh, a finger picking pattern? I mean, it's just such bullshit because the best musicians work their asses off and songwriting is not easy. And you, you just heard Dirk, I mean, two months to, to figure out how to get this from A to B. Um, and I don't know that everyone feels that musicians are lazy, but that thing stuck with me for a while. And I thought that's, you know, that's somebody who doesn't understand. He shouldn't be doing what he's doing if he thinks that. Because the, if you're in the industry, you need to understand who you're dealing with. And if you think that your product is, a, is comes out of laziness, then I don't think you're doing anybody a service and you're probably not a great listener. Um, so uh, I, I think, I think we musicians work really, really hard and we'll, we'll pack in, you know, thousands of dollars of equipment into the back of our car to go play a gig for 50 bucks um, and get home at two to do it all again the next day uh, because we've worked our asses off and we'll continue to do it. Not for the money, uh, but because we're desperate. Right. Thanks. Dirk. Perfectly said. I will say that some of the most talented people I've ever known in my life are for whatever reason, things came too easy for them. And so they didn't work hard enough. And, and I watched them just miss amazing opportunities to, because they had such beautiful gifts that could have been, that could have been so much more than they allowed them to be. And, and, um, but I will say every musician today that's working, that's making some money is fucking hustling. There's a side hustle. There's every hustle. They're doing everything. I mean, God, they're printing their own T-shirts. They're printing their own stuff. They're creating their own artwork. They're writing songs for the next record. They're touring their asses off. You know, it's 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 not it's not an easy job, and you have to do it. The fire has to burn. The fire has to burn very hot, and you've got to be really willing to put. You know, I think it comes from confidence. Yeah. There's there's an Emily Dickinson quote where she says the the abdication of belief makes the behavior small and what that really means is people who don't believe in themselves don't try very hard it's the people who believe in themselves who understand that that effort is going to pay off because they have what it takes they have a belief that they can do it and those people are, who are innately going to work harder those people who are super talented uh ultimately in my my opinion just didn't believe that they could do it they shut off. Right. Or they were scared. Or they know. were scared. I don't know could. if that exists, but I, I'm sure it's arguable. For sure. Tell me about the moment in your career that you're most proud of. Uh, you know what? I, that is tough because pride is a tough thing for me. Um, celebrating things I've done is not part of my DNA. So I, res I, I think I resist that okay well let me do it for you then <clears throat> i actually i actually think that this record that you and i have created is my is the most beautiful thing i've ever done in my life never done anything more beautiful i've never had an experience though i've been have recorded many many projects um this is the one that it was the most fun the process was the most fun the results are the 
are so surprisingly beautiful. Um, and I could not be more proud. And that's, there you that's go. That's legit. I mean, I'd have to agree with you on that, if, but I will continue to resist you. <laughs> if you could, uh, start your career over from, from the minute you decided to, uh, pursue music, would you do anything differently? I probably would have taken my head out of uh, Eddie Vedder's ass and, and tried to be a little more unique back in the day. I was, uh, although I got signed to Sony, you know, when I was pretty young, uh, with on the, on the heels of the grunge thing, uh, you know, I, I now understand that your uniqueness is your strength in this world. Uh, not only just in your artistic endeavors, but in everything. Um, had I known that then, I would have played into that strength a little bit more. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have played the part of the disgruntled, uh, you know, love me, but fuck you guy uh, as much. And I think I would have, I would have, I would have been a lot more brave um, about being myself and being more authentic. That would, that would have, if I go back, that's what I would have done. And, and it may have, may have yielded, uh, less impressive results as far as, you know, who knows, but, um, that would be my, that would be my best guess that, that I think that I would have been, been more satisfied. I think my answer would be, I would, I would have taken more of a leadership role that I, too, too many things got too many opportunities. I wouldn't say got wasted early on, um, because everything happens for a reason, but I think I would have taken more of a leadership role in in making my opinion being making my opinion have more weight because I think that you know there was too many things that happened that were collaborative decisions that were like oh, okay well whatever you know I think that I think I was I think I think that uh, had some opportunities that just that could have been that could have had a better yield had I had I said what I really thought and and followed my gut. So uh, tell the folks listening at home and all over the world uh, where they can uh, get their hands on your music. You know, all the platforms, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, what are all the other ones? iTunes. Oh, yeah, there's that one. And there's all of them. SoundCloud. Yeah. TikTok. Facebook. We've got Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Look at that little there you thing. go. Check that out. See that? I think it looks cooler from your angle. Oh, that's a good angle. Uh, yeah. And they can come to Portland and uh, visit us here. Summertime, it's magic. It's magic, right? Yes. And where can they find you on uh, social media? They can find us under Alma Mater. Um, and, uh, you know, we... <laughs> We're working on this TikTok situation. Are you a TikTok guy, Greg? It's tough to wrap my head around it. You know, we uh, we more distinguished humans, uh, I think, uh, find it a bit uh, like blinking our eyes in buttermilk. You know what I mean? It's a little little uncomfortable, and uh, so we're working on that. But yeah, alma mater, and you can find us on all those the basic platforms and. And like Dirk said, we're, we're extremely proud of, of what we've done and hopefully it resonates with people. It's not, 
it's not it's not a pop record per se, um, but but one that is extremely sincere and, and earnest. Well, thank you guys uh, very much for taking time out of your your days to to talk to me a little bit about about you and about your music. I have I have enjoyed this very much. Hey, Greg, thank you. Also, talk to you. Okay, we really appreciate it. <laughs> This has been a Rod Wharton production in association with Spring Break 83 Entertainment. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without explicit consent.